0: The Bonfires of Social Enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global.
1: Hi, it's Rami. On this episode, I did an online chat with Cecily Jackson Zapata of a Los Angeles-based sustainable law group. It's actually a B Corp. Cecily and I were talking in preparation for a scheduled trip out to Los Angeles, And it was supposed to be kind of a practice recording of the show, but the producers loved the content, so here it is, loud city landscaping crews and all. Cecily, I'm glad to talk to you today. You and I met in Denver, Colorado, just past uh, winter for the Social Enterprise Alliance, and we immediately connected on our love for both the legal side and the investment side of social enterprise. You're affiliated with the LA Kitchen, which we'll hear about. So Cecily, how did you even remotely start to do work with social entrepreneurs?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. I came about this through a circuitous route, which I think a lot of people end up in social enterprise that way. I originally practiced tax law, and I was working for large uh, corporations, but I found that my heart wasn't in it. And so I found the nonprofit sector and specializing in tax law, but representing tax-exempt organizations. And that was really my passion. So I left a large law firm to join a nonprofit law firm. And when I did so, I joined to lead an economic development project. And that economic development project meant that half my clients were nonprofit organizations and the other half of my clients were for-profit organizations. So, I actually ended up providing representation to both nonprofits and for profits, as well as nonprofit organizations that um, were using for profits to drive revenues. And so I found social enterprise. You started your law career out in New Jersey, is that right? And now you're in LA. I started my law career in Washington, D.C., originally oh, okay. from New Jersey. but. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, and then,
1: so you were there for a little while, and did you come upon the discovery of Social Enterprise when you moved out to Los Angeles?
0: I did. I did. It was in 2001 after the dot-com crash or the tech wreck, and um, everybody was reevaluating business at that time, and that's when I found Social Enterprise and just fell in love with it.
1: At that time, was there enough clients was it hard to find clients or were they all over the place
0: um, at that time it was not that difficult to find clients but what was interesting was that I had a number of clients who were social enterprises who didn't quite realize it or didn't identify as social enterprises even though they were using social enterprise principles and had been for many years and when I started talking with them about that, I often got, I don't want to say pushback, but often clients would get confused. They would say, No, that's not me. I'm not one of those kinds of organizations. And we would have to sit down and look at their revenue streams and their activities. And um, so a number of organizations were already doing it, but just didn't quite realize it.
1: I find that to be true we've always had social enterprises in in the united states it just sometimes wasn't called that right whoops we got some <laughs> we got some uh i can hear the lawnmowers it's okay hold on
0: with, you know i actually have to tell you this is the first time that this has ever happened <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is that they're doing so i apologize but i'm like Literally, they're here usually for 30 seconds, and I don't know what they're doing today, so anyway.
1: Oh, it's okay. It's <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so back to social enterprise and back a, a little bit in your history. What's one of the things that sort of surprised you about social enterprises? Do you recall anything that you think, wow, this is either tough or really great or...
0: I would say what's really surprised me most about social enterprise or social enterprises is is often people assume that the organizations will not be successful because there is a socially beneficial purpose that's baked into the mission of the organization and then that's not the case a lot of these organizations are incredibly successful they employ a lot of people who are difficult to employ, they're serving communities that where they have identified needs, and um, they're doing tremendous work, but sometimes when people hear that it is a social enterprise, they just assume that it's going to fail.
1: I find the same thing. Well, I'd say more from the perspective of potential funders. They approach it pretty cautiously. Not mm-hmm. as much as a year or two ago, but... At least in the Midwest often there was this blanket dismissing that these are, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the flower children of business or tree huggers or whatever and there's no way they could possibly be a real business, you know.
0: Exactly. And and it's funny that you should say that because just yesterday I noticed that Goldman Sachs has purchased a big impact investing house. And I don't know if it's their first acquisition, but uh, they're really making inroads into impact investing as well as, you know, Bain Capital and a number of these other organizations. And I thought to myself, if Goldman Sachs is buying an impact investing firm, this is something that has really reached the mainstream and people in business can see that there's a lot of money to be made here there's a lot of good that's happening at the same time Um, and so this is a force to be reckoned with
1: yeah I'll say you're right about that some of the what I call the big dogs they get in and they sort of lead the charge sometimes Cecily let's fast forward now I know that you've taken a position as uh, chairman of the board you've been serving the social enterprise industry for a long time through the social enterprise alliance and now you you've been serving the LA kitchen will you tell us a little bit specifically about your role at LA kitchen today
0: Sure. So LA Kitchen is a nonprofit social enterprise. Uh, We're opening a 20,000 square foot commercial kitchen in the Lincoln Heights area of Los Angeles, which is just across the river from downtown LA. And we have uh, a variety of programs where we uh, take food that was going to be thrown out. We also purchase low-cost produce from farmers in the Central Valley and and other produce suppliers. And we have a job training program. At the end of 12 weeks, uh, the students in our class receive their Serve Safe certification so they can work in any kitchen throughout the country and, and in other nations as well. But with that 20,000 square foot space, we're planning to hire and already have started hiring a number of our graduates because we ourselves are taking on contracts to provide healthy meals uh, for seniors and for other populations in Los Angeles that don't usually have access to um, organic, fresh, healthy food. So I have been serving as the secretary of the board uh, for uh, LA Kitchen for the last couple of years. I joined the board first in December of 2013. And last month, um, I was elected to uh, the co-chair position of the board. So my other co-chair is uh, the chef Jose Andres, who you may know from uh, Think Food Group, and he has a number of restaurants all over the world. Um, an amazing chef. And so Jose and I, uh, along with the other members of the executive committee and the board of directors, were working together to um, provide that leadership and direction both with respect to the organization itself as well as um, being a leading player in uh, the social enterprise culinary world. So that's how Jose and I are kind of splitting the chair uh, responsibilities.
1: That just sounds giant to me. <laughs> They're so fortunate. <laughs> They're so fortunate to have you. My goodness. So now, and you're still practicing law for your Sustainable Law Group, right?
0: Oh yes, yes. And um, most of my time is spent uh, with my uh, law firm.
1: What are you noticing in, in today around the LA and the Bay Area that? a different, that's a little different. Is there any trends or uh,
0: patterns that you're starting to see? Well we at Sustainable Law Group, we ourselves are a certified B Corp and I think throughout LA and, and all of California and other areas of the country we're just seeing this extraordinary interest in the B Corp movement and the hybrid for-profit entities that are really committed to uh, socially beneficial and environmental missions with their business and so we're seeing a lot of people who are graduating from business school both undergrad and graduate who have this desire to start their own companies right away and they want to do so in a way where their business is making a positive contribution
1: Do you find with the consumers in that area they are some of the demand is coming from the consumer base
0: absolutely absolutely the consumers are asking a lot more questions these days they want to know where a product was produced how it was produced who produced it and and also the same is true for services as well and so the consumers are driving this, and um, the businesses are are responding, and it's really exciting to see uh, just how many people have gotten um, the message of social en- social enterprise.
1: It is. It's a. It's more of a movement these days, no question. I'm calling you, of course, from Detroit, and our state of Michigan is is trying to figure out how to support it, um, but still a bit unsure in some ways how about the community there in california are they recognizing social enterprises legitimate
0: business i'm seeing recognition of social enterprise as a legitimate business so far really at the local level um, for example the city of san francisco a few years ago they passed an ordinance with respect to their contracting where they will consider whether um, a contractor is a social enterprise when they are engaging in a procurement practice. So if you are a social enterprise, then your entity would get additional points and it would help you to win more contracts from the city of San Francisco. We don't have that in Los Angeles yet. However, I have noticed that um, I I have a friend who is counsel at the the county supervisor level and he is, um, and, and the county supervisors are spearheading efforts to add elements of social enterprise into the county contracts, which in Los Angeles is quite lucrative. The county of Los Angeles is very big, and there are a lot of unincorporated areas that are governed by the the county. So recently, the county supervisors passed an ordinance that requires the uh, county to do a certain amount of work with organizations that employ people who have reentered the population after leaving prison. And that really was the first step. But now the county supervisors are looking to expand and and to embrace all social enterprise as an area that they want to support with the county dollars that they spend.
1: That's exciting
0: it is very exciting and you know it's it's very interesting because as you know and we met through Social Enterprise Alliance and Social Enterprise Alliance itself is a national uh, membership association for social entrepreneurs and social enterprise organizations and this is something that Social Enterprise Alliance is really focusing their efforts on because they want to see uh, governments in the United States, support social enterprises as we see governments around the world supporting those types of organizations. I mean, if you look at the jobs that social enterprises create um, and the impact that social enterprises have on their local communities, it's to me it's a no-brainer.
1: I agree. We often get uh, the question that, well, gosh, they're they're kind of small. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of micro social enterprises, but the, what they're doing with the small amount of resources is absolutely extraordinary to me.
0: It is. It's the same for me. And also, whenever I have people talk with me about that, I say, you know, how many small businesses are there? Because I don't actually think that, you know, statistically speaking, a lot of the small social enterprises, it's, it's pretty much the same percentage of overall business. There are just a lot of small businesses in our country. Yeah,
1: I pulled a stat actually from census.gov the other day, for another field notes that I'm going to release soon, and it said that there's now I'm losing the date of this, it's a couple years old, but there was 28 million small businesses. And like the US defines micro business as having five employees or less. Right. And there was 26.5 or 26.6 million of the 28 million are all micro.
0: Right. Right. That's so, I know. There's a
1: lot of them, you know? Yes.
0: Yep. Exactly. And I don't think that social enterprises – should be you know called to account or you know they it should be considered that they're not doing a good job because they're micro or they're or they're very quite small because that's just what business is (laughs) that's
1: what i've got that field notes coming out that i'm calling them the garage bands because micro they're like they're like that's so demeaning they're they're my little garage bands you know they're making all (laughs) kinds of cool stuff with their music out of their garage you don't have to be some of them will go on to be famous but it's okay to be a cool little garage band too. I
0: love the garage band concept. And also just you know, when I when I left and, and went into economic development, I was doing micro enterprise development. So I actually work with a number of nonprofit organizations that are microenterprise development organizations as well as with a number of micro entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, there's just a different feel and they are able to be nimble and adapt. They tend mm-hmm. to survive which people dismiss that, but they tend to survive real well. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly, because they focus on what they're doing and they do it well.
1: Right, right. So we'll have more on that, our little garage bands of social enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and for more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter at Bonfires Podcast and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami and are copywritten 2015 Gingras Global LLC, and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Gingras Global LLC.